Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on December 16th, 2022 from my childhood home here in Colesville, Maryland. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features a look at a few text messages 5th District Republican Congressman Ralph Norman sent to White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows following the 2020 presidential election and after the January 6th storming of the Capitol. We have a massive business section for you, including a look at the biggest economic development announcement in the state's history. No, it's not Boeing. It's Redwood Materials Battery Recycling Facility. But Boeing just did get an order from United for 100 new 77 Dreamliners. That's huge, huge for the North Charleston plant, and we have the details. Also, we have new inflation numbers and a look at unemployment in the state. This is our last regular podcast for 2022, and that's why we got so much news in it for you. But we will have some treats, some small pods for you before the end of the year. You're going to have to stay tuned. I I can't say any more. I already said too much. We also want to hear from you guys. That's why we have a voicemail box set up to hear about your daily life, what's going on. It's the holiday season. We're talking jobs. We're talking economic development. How is the economy treating you? We're talking inflation and unemployment. We want to know. 803-563-7169. Leave us your name, where you're calling from, and what's going on in your neck of the woods. 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is low according to county-level data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. For the week ending December 10th, there were 6,501 new COVID-19 cases reported to DHEC. That's a 7% increase week over week. There were also 17 deaths. On average, 331 South Carolinians were hospitalized with COVID-19, 45 were in intensive care, and 20 were on ventilators. Currently, 53.7% of eligible South Carolinians are fully vaccinated, and the flu remains widespread in South Carolina for the week ending December 10th. However, lab-confirmed cases, influenza-like illnesses, and hospitalizations have all decreased. This week, 19 influenza-associated deaths were reported, however, 8 deaths occurred during previous weeks. The cumulative mortality rate is 1 per 100,000. And in this current flu season, there have been 49 flu-related deaths. So do what the officials keep telling us to do. Cover your coughs, cover your sneezes, wash your hands. Please just continue to wash your hands. Clean off your disgusting cell phones as regular as possible. Just do your part. Clean those frequently touched services. And uh, stay home if you're sick. Mask up. They're even encouraging folks to mask up if they feel uh, sick or if you're in a really crowded spot like I was on the metro in Washington, D.C. of politics was some of the biggest political news of the week. Fifth District Republican Congressman Ralph Norman called for President Donald Trump to impose martial law during his last days in office as a way to hold on to power as Republicans sought to influence the outcome of the safe, secure, free, fair, and accurate 2020 presidential election. This text message was sent to Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, on January 17, 2021. That's 11 days after a violent mob of Trump supporters stormed the Capitol in an attempt to prevent the certification of election results. And this is also three days before President Joe Biden was to be sworn in. 
The text is part of a trove Meadows turned over to the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th attack that was obtained by Talking Points Memo, and it reads as follows, quote, Mark, in seeing what's happening so quickly and reading about the Dominion lawsuits attempting to stop any meaningful investigation, we are at a point of no return in saving our republic. Two exclamation points. Our last hope, all caps, is invoking martial law. Two exclamation points. All caps. Please urge to president to do so. Two exclamation points. Ralph Norman. End quotation. Norman spelled martial law, martial, M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L, instead of martial, M-A-R-T-I-A-L, which involves a temporary substitution of military authority for civilian rule and is usually invoked in time of war, rebellion, or natural disaster. An article in the Journal of Law and Order says that when martial law is in effect, the military commander of an area or country has unlimited authority to make and enforce laws. Martial law is justified when civilian authority has ceased to function, is completely absent, or has become ineffective. Further, martial law suspends all existing laws, as well as civil authority and the ordinary administration of justice. It can be declared by a president or a state governor, but such formal proclamation is not necessary. So that is what Congressman Ralph Norman was calling for, having the military take over because of his frustration with the 2020 election outcome, in which his guy lost fair and square. Norman was one of 34 congressional Republicans who texted with Meadows about overturning Trump's November 2020 loss. Norman also sent Meadows a text on November 7th, days after Election Day, when news outlets were officially calling the election for Biden, based accurately on votes. Congressman Norman encouraged Meadows to fight, saying, quote, Guys, if there was ever a time to stand with our leader, who has strengthened our military, stood for life for the unborn, supported Israel, built the wall, appointed conservative justices, etc., and we lay down and abandon him, all caps, just because the biased media has called the election, two question marks, now is the time to fight and advocate for a recount in Georgia, Arizona, Pennsylvania, two exclamation points. What our delegation is doing in South Carolina is gathering on the Statehouse steps on Tuesday to advocate for standing with our president and other arguments slash options that are at our disposal. For anyone willing to discuss our game plan, let me or anyone else know, and let's get on a conference call with concrete plans of action. I will go anywhere, anytime to help our cause. Bottom line, it's time we, all caps, fight for the one person who has changed this country way too soon to give in now. Two exclamation points, end quote. So, on November 10th, 2020, at the State House, Norman, along with Republican Congressman Tom Rice, Jeff Duncan, Joe Wilson, and Congresswoman-elect Nancy Mace, gathered to support President Trump's decision not to concede amid the ongoing, albeit futile, legal battles which were later thrown out. At the press conference, Norman said he and others will continue to fight for honest, fair, and verified elections. We're going to fight. We'll continue to fight for an honest, fair, verified election. And why not? This is for future races. Uh, this is not just for this election. This is for future races to have integrity and to have honesty and that people have confidence in. If we lose this, the, the honesty of, of an election or the, the, the smoke as it came from my car that, that I thought I had something wrong, and I did, if the smoke is not cleared up, we might as well be a Venezuela, we might as well be a Cuba, and we might as well just say goodbye to honest and fair elections. I hope all this turns out well, but let's trust, but let's verify. So again, that was Norman at a November 10th, 2020 press conference in the Statehouse. 
Congressman Norman also said that he would accept the outcome of the election once all options were exhausted and the votes were certified. Talking Points Memo said that as the electoral certification approached, members of Congress sent Meadows messages expressing concern and anger that some Republicans were not backing their efforts. On the evening of January 5, 2021, Norman wrote Meadows about House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, saying, quote, Mark, I hear McCarthy is giving equal time to let those who are opposed to the challenge of the electoral votes, which is ludicrous, two exclamation points. Trump needs to call Kevin, two exclamation points, end quote. Then, of course, the next day, January 6 happened. Now, this week, Norman's office put out a statement from Congressman Norman saying, quote, Obviously, martial law was never warranted. That text message came from a source of frustration on the heels of countless unanswered questions about the integrity of the 2020 election, without any way to slow down and examine those issues prior to the inauguration of the newly elected president, quote. The York County Democratic Party issued a brutal letter calling for his resignation, saying in part that, quote, Representative Ralph Norman is a domestic enemy of the United States Constitution. We unhesitatingly demand his resignation on behalf of the people of York County and the 5th Congressional District of South Carolina. In the letter, York County Democratic Party Chair John Kraljevich said, quote, Aside from being an adult who doesn't know what martial law is, he's a traitor to our highest ideals. Concepts generations of Americans have fought and died for. He has no business being in Congress or any other elected position, quote. Just a note, Norman was one of 21 House Republicans who voted against giving honors to officers who defended the Capitol on January 6. And in July 2021, he was one of just five Republicans who voted against appropriations for granting visas to Afghan allies and enhancing capital security, according to the New Republic. So a lot going on there with Congressman Ralph Norman of the 5th Congressional District. But back in Columbia, members in both the state Senate and House have pre-filed bills ahead of the legislative session that starts on January 10th. Senators have pre-filed 310 bills, and House members have filed 592. I have not read these bills. There used to be a time when I would, but covering now my eighth legislative session, I've learned that there's really no real point to do that. So soon, we'll figure out how things roll as session starts. But the bills range from important to outlandish. Some are congratulatory, others are detailed and need to be passed annually. Hundreds will go absolutely nowhere. For example, just so you know, 268 bills were passed into law during the previous two-year session that ended last May. So we'll be watching as things progress. But as we head out, so too is Claire Brady. She's the former communications director with the state Republican Party. She announced on Twitter this week that she will be moving to Attorney General Alan Wilson's office. We're going to keep the theme of big sections going with a huge business section. That's because we got some big announcements. Leading off, Redwood Materials, which produces critical battery components for electric vehicles, made it official this week with its plan to build a massive battery recycling plant in Berkeley County to the tune of a $3.5 billion investment and the creation of 1,500 new jobs. The Carson City, Nevada company was founded by Tesla's former chief technology officer and co-founder, J.B. Straubel. The company is seeking to create a circular supply chain for electric vehicles by onshoring production of the most critical components and batteries, the anode and cathode, to drive down costs and emissions while securing the supply chain within the United States. Anode and cathode components are not currently manufactured in North America. 
Here's J.B. Straubel. And currently, anode and cathode components that, that we don't hear that much about, but they're actually the most expensive components inside of a battery, and therefore the most expensive components inside of an electric vehicle. You know, today, these components must be sourced from a 50,000-mile, very long, very vulnerable supply chain, um, almost entirely uh, from Asia. And as a result of that, U.S. battery manufacturers, U.S. OEMs, and ultimately U.S. customers will end up spending over $150 billion uh, in Asia for these components over the next decade if we are not able to localize that supply chain. And localizing the production of these critical battery components, um, ensuring these materials are recycled along the way, is absolutely our best way to both drive down the costs of those components and the resulting batteries, but also to reduce the emissions associated with that and to reduce the geopolitical risk of this secure energy transition. All battery components will be built from as much recycled material as possible, the company said. The more than 600-acre campus located at Camp Hall Commerce Park in Ridgeville will initially produce enough anode and cathode material for 100 gigawatt hours of battery cell production, or 1 million electric vehicles each year, according to the company. Here's J.B. Straubel again at the announcement on Tuesday on how South Carolina is becoming a part of a better-defined battery belt in the country. Many of our existing partners, such as Toyota, Volvo, VW, Ford, Panasonic, and Envision AESC, all located in, this, in, a, in the same general region where we're operating here. This is really defining the battery belt, and I think people have seen you know, an announcement almost every single week of a new battery gigafactory you know, coming somewhere in the same region or in the U.S. generally. This facility here will build the supply chain to support and provide components to those gigafactories. This will also give us a chance to recruit and build a workforce here, a world-class workforce. Part of why we're so excited about this site is that Charleston is one of the, the top cities you know, to live and work in the, in the country. We will hire many of our employees you know, from the local region, but it's still critical to us that we can recruit efficiently some of the best and brightest talent from all over the, the country and all over the world. And we're confident that Charleston will be an attractive place for those people to call home in the future and giving us the, the ability to recruit some of the very best employees. Now, across Interstate 26 is Volvo, which is building its own battery plant. Up in Florence, Envision AESC announced its $810 million battery plant to help support BMW's $1 billion expansion for vehicle electrification, which also features a $700 million battery assembly facility in Woodruff. And Pomega Energy Storage Solutions announced a 3-gigawatt-hour lithium-ion battery facility in Calton County, which will create 575 new jobs. Literally, we're, we're talking about an EV belt here, folks. Now, Redwood, like many others in the industry, aims to take advantage of financial incentives that were part of the massive Inflation Reduction Act that passed Congress with only Democratic support and signed into law by President Joe Biden in August. The law amends a clean energy credit for battery storage technology and adds a clean vehicle credit with a requirement for North American battery assembly. See how everything's connected, folks? Now, we previously reported how the state authorized the issuance of up to $226 million in bonds to offset the cost of acquiring the site, site improvements, related infrastructure, and bond issuance costs. Operations in Ridgeville will begin in phases starting in 2023, and the plant will be entirely green and electric. There will be no fossil fuels used in the process or at the site, including natural gas. 
The $3.5 billion investment is the largest in state history, according to Governor McMaster, who was ecstatic, to say the least. Isn't this a lot of fun? I tell you, I don't know how long I'm going to live, but the undertaker not to be able to get the smile off of my face just because, because of this. Now, that's a new one for McMaster. But that's because the announcement pushed total economic development and investment in the state for 2022 alone to $10.1 billion. That's the most ever. And while Governor Nikki Haley made recruiting industry and jobs her main platform, McMaster has truly become the jobs governor. So let me, let me finish up. You know, I was, I don't know much about megawatts or megabits or cathodes or an, anodes or what, but I decided I love them. I'm about to, if you got some here, I, <laughs> I'll take, take them with me. Oh, let's see. But on a serious note. Uh, but this is transformative, and it's, uh, it's going to open the door to the future of innovation and imagination in South Carolina, and I'll promise you our people are ready ready for that we're ready to meet that challenge and that's why you're here today and i guess the last most important point is for all the great things this could do for the country for our people in in this state and for this great company is what this is going to do for our national security because to have to depend on china and other places for things that you can't make electric batteries out of without when we're going into the electric battery business uh, this is a big big step and, as Ron Reagan would say, the best is yet to come. So y'all buckle up your seatbelts because we're just getting started. And we thank you. Now, down the road in Charleston County, there was even more economic development news. Wow! I know, I told you this is a big episode. Boeing announced an order from United Airlines for 1787 Dreamliners and the option to purchase 100 more. This is the biggest Dreamliner order ever, and if United takes the options on all 100, the largest airliner order ever. The order is a jolt for production of the twin-aisle aircraft used primarily for long-haul flights, which has been delayed from May 2021 through August 2022 due to manufacturing flaws. The Federal Aviation Administration approved inspection and modification plans, and deliveries of the aircraft resumed in August. Boeing became the sole 787 production facility in early 2021. Now, this United order also includes 10737 MAX jets, exercising 44 existing options and placing 56 new orders. You may remember that the FAA also cleared the 737 MAX to return to the skies in June 2021, two years after it was grounded due to crashes that stem from the MCAS system, which pushes the nose of the plane down to prevent a stall when the nose is detected as being too high. Now, all that being said, Stan Deal, CEO of Boeing Commercial Airplanes, praised the massive deal with United, a long-standing Boeing customer. And the 737 and the 787 will help transform the landscape at United Airlines. Environmental efficiency is a big step forward when they renew their fleets. The 787 will help continue to open up new international markets and growth. These airplanes are capable of burning 50% biofuels. By 2030, we'll have them capable of delivering 100% biofuel, continuing the environmental story, and we will assure United's fleet of these airplanes gets that capability too. United CEO Scott Kirby said that the long-standing relationship with Boeing and the current order is representative of the trust he has in Boeing. This relationship is key as United works to be one of the biggest airlines in the world. 
We did what we had to do uh, to get through COVID, to get through the crisis, but we always kept our eyes focused on the future. And, you know, we really, our people just changed everything in a good way about the culture for the company. When I fly around um, on United or other airlines even, you know, I hear all the time from customers uh, about what a difference it makes at United and how great people feel to be flying United. And that's because of the employees. And that let us be different at United than every other airline going through the pandemic. And today's order is, a, is, is just another step in the process that we started in the middle of the, at the beginning of the pandemic. It's admittedly a really big step to buy 200 white bodies, uh, but it's a, one more step. You know, at the beginning of the pandemic, we decided not to retire wide body aircraft like most of our competitors did. Only airline that negotiated a deal with our pilots union to keep everyone in position, in seat, so that we could come back in full for the recovery. We started building simulators during the middle of the pandemic. We did the historic United Next Order, uh, you know, last summer, and now this. And that really sets United up to re realize our destiny. Uh, and as we're coming out of the pandemic, we have become the de facto flag carrier of the United States and the leading airline around the globe. United is the sixth largest airline in the world by sea capacity and is behind domestic competitors Southwest, American, and Delta. But United flies the most Atlantic and Pacific flights than any other airline. The order will create 120,000 jobs throughout the country and should mean a ramp up for Boeing. Production was around one per month with plans to move to three, then eventually five early next year. During Boeing's third quarter earnings call, CFO Brian West said, quote, we continue to produce at a low rate and will gradually return to five planes per month over time. Near term, the supply chain remains a key watch item for 787 production and deliveries. Longer term, with more than 400 airplanes in backlog, we anticipate higher production rates due to the expected wide-body market recovery. As customers return to medium-term fleet planning, we continue to have positive discussions with our customers on the 787, quote. And again, that was CFO Brian West in October. Now, as of November 30th, 21 Dreamliners were delivered this year, which started again in August. There is a backlog of 482 orders, and there were 38 orders made this year before the United announcement. Now, speaking of flying, Spirit Airlines announced it is adding Charleston International Airport to its route map with daily nonstop flights to Fort Lauderdale, Newark, and Philadelphia starting in April 2023. This according to the company. Flyers will also gain international connection opportunities through Fort Lauderdale, which is home to one of Spirit's largest operations and its primary gateway to Latin America and the Caribbean. Introductory fares are starting at $49 one way for travel on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays only. Flyers traveling between Charleston and Philadelphia can enjoy an introductory fare starting at $39 for one-way travel. And possibly A.T. Shire. Go birds! <laughs> now let's pivot to some new data. data. Keeping it statewide, the unemployment rate remained unchanged at 3.3% for November. Every county saw a drop in unemployment, and the top industry gainers were education and health services with 1,800 jobs, finance with 1,000, and government with 800. The top industry losers were professional business services at negative 2,200 and leisure and hospitality at 1,400, with construction rounding out the top three at negative 700. Matt Marn, an economist with the Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond, gave reporters this overview of the labor market on Friday. Overall, labor market in South Carolina remains strong as of November. Uh, the payroll growth number year over year is at 3.7%. That's 
above average for states in the U.S. Uh, not as there's some that are stronger, but many more that are not as strong. And 3.3% unemployment that was unchanged from October um, is is a very strong number as well. And if you look at the year-over-year data, all sectors are up strongly with the exception of construction, uh, which is down 4.5% in, in payroll employment year-over-year. So it's the, the last year has been pretty broad-based as far as employment gains. Uh, that brings up the the month the month changes, uh, which you know if you look at the top line number month to month for payroll, it was essentially flat. There were there was a decline of 1,100 jobs uh, reported, but that's that amounts to a 0.0 percent change. It's it's pretty small. So for the month, um, that they're basically a stall in in employment gains. And look at this. I'm sticking inflation as a footnote to this section. On the way out, the Bureau of Labor Statistics said that the consumer price index rose just 0.1% from the previous month and increased 7.1% from a year ago. Core CPI, which excludes energy and food prices, rose 0.2% on the month and 6% on an annual basis. Now, inflation has ticked down steadily from a record 9% in June. It was 7.8% in October and now it's at 7.1% in November for the year. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic and we want to hear your stories as well. Tell us how you're handling things. It's a December to remember sales, I mean, um, event. Uh, um, hey, but please remember it. <laughs> We want to know how your Honda days are going. Give us a shout, 803-563-7169. The Hopper is always in need, and this time of year, even more so. We'd love She's to hear always from you guys. hungry. Yeah, yeah, the Hopper's always hungry. Come on. Feed, oh. feed, feed. But we have one. We have one here. I'm sorry I had to make one. you wait all the way till now. It's a great call. It sort of brings in a little bit of Spoleto for me, oh. which is a, it's a little triggering. Yes. But uh, I think I can make it through. I was so wondering if there was going to be another economic development that we announced. What <laughs> I we mean, to talk could about. you imagine? Could you imagine if we had a, a another economic <laughs> development breaking here on the lead. Gavin? Gavin, this is a $1 billion giga voicemail. Okay? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Can okay. we just wind Here down we... in peace? <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Hi, Gavin and AT. Uh, this is Caleb calling from Charleston. It's an incredibly busy time here. Um, I'm the resident lighting designer, and I'm the co-coordinator of the Theater Wings High School Apprenticeship Program. Sorry, that's a mouthful. Um, at the Charleston Stage Company. Um, we've just opened both A Christmas Carol and the Best Christmas Pageant Ever down at the Dock Street Theater this month. Um, I wanted to really take a minute to brag about our high school theater apprentices and all these child actors in Christmas Pageant and Christmas Carol. Um, they've just really done a fantastic job on these shows, and, and I couldn't be more proud. Um, it's really great to be a mentor to so many fantastic students. Um, something else about Christmas Carol, it's also very cool and fulfilling to be a part of the show because it was actually our founder's first show with a company 45 years ago. Um, so this show is his legacy, and it's great to be a bookend of, of a big career. Um, I hope you two have a great holiday season, you and your families. Uh, give me a shout the next time you're at the Dock Street Theater. Take care. Bye. 
Caleb, thanks for calling. And that does sound super busy. I can't even imagine juggling all those actors and actresses and the crew. Um, oh yeah. But that sounds like a lot of fun and a little a little bit more joy and activity for the holiday season. So we're wishing you all the best down there. Dodge oh Street yeah, and, and just the lead is for the children. Okay, like they're they're our biggest demo ah. children. We heard. Oh, we love them. We know that they're <laughs> always listening. I just watched the Grinch last night. The Dr. Seuss <laughs> version is the only version I care to watch. I agree. Say I agree. I'm a big Jim Carrey guy, but I don't like the Jim Carrey. I just Grinch, don't have time. In the 30 minutes, I mean, Dr. Seuss got it right. Bing, bang, boom. It is. Boop, ba, bo, wee, wah, woo. It's so good. Uh, Caleb. <laughs> I love that you're working with these kids. I love that you're at Doc Street. Everyone that listens knows that Doc Street is my uh, adopted home. End of spring, beginning of summer home for uh, Spoleto. So you Spaghetti Festival. Spaghetti Festival. So uh, <laughs> when I'm there, I'll de- I, I'm always looking for friends in Charleston. So we always do one episode of the lead from Doc Street oh, every yeah. single year. So <laughs> Caleb, you could be you could be a live uh, studio audience just I of one if you come want. Come down there kicking and screaming. <laughs> And I said, look what you make me do, AT. Look what you're making uh, me this do. This is what you do to me. This, this is, is what I, you do. And when people say I don't give, I say I never stop. You yeah, know this. I mean. You guys criticize me, but I never Gavin, stop giving. Truly, Gavin, the present is your presence. Okay? <laughs> you're so, so, and I'm so selfish about it. Like, you're making me talk about it right now. I don't want to do this. Here we are just, making you talk about <laughs> you're it. You're making it's me do it. Lying in your childhood cross. bed that you have to live cro- sleep crooked in. So. <laughs> I feel like a oh, scene from Willy Wonka with all the old people. <laughs> yes. Gavin is sharing the bed with Except three other I'm people. I'm not lying about not being able to get out of the bed. <laughs> yeah. Gavin will get up. He just doesn't want to. Oh, Grandpa Joe. Geez. Hmm. You could walk the whole time. Interesting. Anyway, <laughs> this was a long show. So we're going to cut this short. Caleb, thank you for calling. People, please call if you yeah. want to get in. The end of the year spectacular event. Get it off your chest now. Come on, we got to wind down to remember coming up next week. We got great APR on these these calls that you can get in right now, but the price goes up <laughs> if you wait too long. You heard so those please call numbers. in. You heard inflation <laughs> please call in. Yeah, the inflation's down. You got to call. Yeah. So uh, please call in. Have a good weekend. Have a good holidays. Merry Christmas and whatnot. Watch eighteen ninety nine. Gavin. Give them the oh, outro. calls to action at the end there. I don't know if we can even <laughs> air those. Um, but yes, like AT said, happy holidays, folks. We're going to have a special wind down section for you and another episode for you before the year's out. So stay tuned and give us a shout. You might end up on the show. 803-563-7169. Be like Caleb and, and do your part and give us a shout. We'd love hearing from you guys. And you can also, if you don't want to talk, hey, shoot us a review on Apple Podcasts. We love those too. And you can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Giga. Giga. They call them Giga Factories.